Hi, Grace Long Beach. Will you pray with me? And then we'll get into um, the word this morning, Romans 12. God, you are with us and you want to speak to us. I pray that we would be people who want to hear and who are willing and open to listen. Thank you for being a God who is faithful and committed to your people. I pray that because of that commitment, that we would be people marked by trust, marked by hope, marked by a willingness to, to follow um, wherever it is you might lead us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, of course, Grace, this is a little bit different. Um, back to recording, but we're doing this for a specific reason. Uh, given that it's a fourth Sunday, we are hoping that, that people engage Scripture, engage this perhaps even in a way differently than they would have otherwise. Um, I guess what I'm hoping this to be, uh, something like a sermon, but also something that helps facilitate, uh, as I said, a connection with Scripture, with God, with each other, um, that, to help us reflect um, on what God is saying, but then also to engage in discussion with others, and in particular around Romans 12. So we're, we're staying in Romans 12. We've been here for the last couple of weeks uh, wanting to, um, to really look at the vision of what Christian community looks like when formed around the person of Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul speaking uh, to churches, to um, a collective of churches, really describing what their relationships with one another are to be like. And what I'm going to be doing is really offering something like a recap or highlighting what we've discussed the last two weeks, but also offering some additional comments um, about the sort of beginning part of Romans 12 toward the end. So by way of reminder, uh, I, we've been in Romans 12 talking about how, uh, how to be together again as we re-engage our relationships with one another, even in thinking about um, coming together around brunches or in smaller groups of people, uh, there's this real sense that we as a community, as we're sort of turning a corner, perhaps in a transitionary period, uh, we need to learn how to be together again. That's something that we described a couple weeks ago uh, as we re-engage our relationships, seeing people we haven't seen before, or even as we think about coming back into this space uh, where I'm at now and where we will be soon, uh, what does that mean? What does it look like, again, for us to be together? Now, the New Testament in Romans 12, but also in other places, offers a wonderful vision of what Christian community, Christian relationship is to look like when formed around Jesus. Now, there are going to be points in this sermon uh, that I'm going to encourage you to, uh, to pause uh, per the recording and then to engage Scripture uh, in light of some questions that I'm going to ask. So there might be times, just so that you're aware, that I'll say, hey, consider pausing now, reading through this section of Romans, and then asking these or reflecting on these particular questions. Again, use this uh, utilize this in whatever way is most helpful for you to engage with God um, and to engage with others. So um, I'm going to encourage you to pause um, and read uh, all of Romans chapter 12. So from verses 1 to 21, I encourage you to read all of Romans chapter 12. 
And I guess what I want you to be thinking about as you're reading uh, is to be thinking about various things about what the vision of community um, is like, what, what the Apostle Paul is suggesting it is to look like. Um, and, and I guess more specific questions are these. Uh, first question, what does Paul say Christians are to be doing with and for one another? So in a moment when you pause and you read through Romans 12, be thinking about that. What does Paul, the Apostle Paul, say Christians are to be doing with and for one another? And then another question would be, is there a particular quality of Christian community that arrests your attention? And why might it arrest your attention? Maybe it sounds foreign or compelling or difficult. So again, pause, read all through, through all of Romans 12, and then reflect um, or discuss uh, those two questions. And then we'll come back in a moment. So I'm really curious what you might have said in the, or what you might have seen as you read through the text and as you think about it and, and um, reflect on it. The two, I guess, visions or things about Christian community that really arrest my imagination or my attention and take hold of in my mind um, are really the qualities that refer to hospitality and associating with the lowly. Uh, but also those referring to living in harmony with each other, not claiming to be wiser than we are. And so again, that's, that's verses in chapter 12, verses 13, contributing to the needs of the saints, extending hospitality to strangers. But then later on, uh, in uh, verse 16, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, do not claim to be wiser than you are. So those are the ones that, that as I've read through Romans 12, um, kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I wonder if they're intriguing to me uh, and why I'm, I'm so interested in them um, is because of how much they're connected to this, the, the idea of, of humility. That so much of what the Apostle Paul is saying in Romans 12 um, is kind of rests on the shoulders of humility. Toward the beginning uh, of Romans 12, it, it speaks of this sense of not, not thinking of yourself uh, more highly than you ought to think. And then there's this sense of, of extending hospitality to strangers. There's this uh, almost um, other-centered imagination that, that this community is to have. But then also living in harmony sort of only comes by way of not being haughty uh, and is also connected to associating um, with with the lowly and not not claiming to be wiser than you are. These these really uh, are really fascinating to me as aspects of, of of Christian community, and it makes me wonder if we were thinking about Grace Long Beach or if outsiders were to consider Grace Long Beach is 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 humility a primary marker of our being together, of our belonging together? Would people say, "Oh yeah, Grace Long Beach"? That is a humble group of people. If they think of you, if they think of me, would they say, oh, that is a humble person. That person does not claim to be wiser than they are. They are not haughty. Look at who they're committed to being with. Certainly, they are marked by humility. I'm really challenged by that, and I wonder about that. But what you'll also notice, I'm sure this might have come up as you, in your reflection and your discussion, and this is something 
um, that we've talked about the last couple weeks is how uh, active this Christian community is um, with one another. It's not a passive activity. Actually, being in community with others in relationship is not passive, but very active, and it involves things that we're doing with each other. Having a certain type of zeal, having a certain type of affection for one another, rejoicing in hope, being patient in suffering, praying, contributing to the needs of the saints, blessing people, again, rejoicing, living in harmony, not repaying anyone evil for evil, but actually um, giving our enemies something to eat if they are hungry and feeding them, giving them something to drink if they are thirsty. I mean, so much activity is, is going on in the Christian community because to be in relationship and to actually grow into the relationship that is formed around Jesus is to be people who are living in certain ways with one another. It does not happen by accident is the point. What Jesus did when, when bringing disciples around him in relationship was something very specific, and he was calling them to be and to do um, certain things, to live in obedience to the kingdom that he brought. And it is not a passive activity, but it is something that we are to be committed to. It's, this vision is to be taking hold of our imagination and drawing us into it to live certain types of lives before the world with one another in our relationships. And so in our being together again, in our belonging together, and as you, we wrestle with this vision, we're to be noticing and recognizing the various aspects of community that we're being called into. And I encourage you, and again, it's a question I ask to really take seriously, which ones seem most challenging to you? Which ones might seem most challenging to us in our own unique, specific, particular community known as Grace Long Beach. Then as we move, um, again, kind of highlighting what we talked about last week, there's also this specific aspect of Christian community and the depth of relationship that we are to have um, in, as in thinking of ourselves as like a family of friends. Uh, I used the language last week of, of Christian friendship, of spiritual friendship, that we have been brought into friendship with one another. And that this idea of friendship is so much more robust than coming together because we have uh, similar interests or we have similar political or social preferences, um, but it's rather a friendship that transcends some of those things we hold in common, but is rather made possible because Jesus holds us in common. And so here's what I'd like you to do in a moment. I'd like you to pause. I'll let you know when to do that. And to read through John chapter 15, verses 12 through 17, and then Romans 12, verses 9 through 13. So when you read through those two different texts, these are some questions I'd love for you to take time considering, thinking about, reflecting on. Here's the first one. Why do you think it's significant that Jesus calls his disciples, that Jesus calls you and me, calls us, his friends. Why do you think it's significant that Jesus calls his disciples, calls us his friends? Kind of adding on to that, how might that inform the way that you think about Jesus and the Christian life? 
So why do you think it's significant that Jesus calls us friends? And then how might that inform the way we think about the Christian life? And then the next question, what are the implications of this for our Christian friendships? So considering those things, then what does that mean for our Christian friendships? Taking these two texts um, together and letting them have basically a discussion or conversation together with them. What are the implications of this for our Christian friendships? So I'd like for you to pause, read those two different passages of Scripture, and then reflect on those few questions. So we're back, uh, and um, as Christians, you know, we're called into particular types of friendships, as I said, spiritual friendships, uh, but why that matters so much as we see in John chapter 15 is because Jesus no longer calls us disciples, no longer calls us servants, but he calls us his friends. We are pulled into a relationship with our Christian brothers and sisters where friendship is actually possible. That friendship is possible despite any even differences that we might have in a lot of different ways. But because the foundation of that relationship is Jesus calling you, calling me friend, we have the possibility of being friends as well. We're pulled into relationship with one another, not just Christian community, but there's the possibility of Christian friendship. Not because of our hobbies that we share, again, not because we're doing the same things with our time, but because we have a life together formed around Jesus. And I talked last week that, that there's a certain texture to these friendships. I'm looking at Romans 12, verse, or verse 12, that, that these friendships are the texture, that there's a rejoicing and hope that we're actually paying attention to the ways that God is at work and finding joy and naming those things and celebrating those. We're rejoicing in the hope that we have together. There's a patience and suffering. We are with each other in our pain. Not, not fixing, not saving, but with one another in it. And then there's also the perseverance of prayer, that, that these Christian friendships are actually marked by our praying with and for one another. So this is about, again, commitment to one another in some very specific ways. As we think about Christian friendship, as we think about spiritual friendship, this is the type of texture that it might take. And as I think about grace, Long Beach, as I think about what, what God is doing in us and what God is calling us to, um, I, I have a hope for us to be a community of people, a community of friends who are committed to learning together from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. Because as friends, as, as because Jesus has made that possible, there's a certain type of responsibility that we have for one another. And if we have a calling to be disciples, to be learners from Jesus because he is the shepherd, then we are committed to one another in our learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus. It means I actually take responsibility in some ways for you, and you take responsibility for me, and that together we are moving toward Jesus, being open and receptive and learning from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus, because Jesus is the example. Jesus is the teacher. We are his students, and we are in class all of the time. 
and in class together in the school of discipleship where Jesus is the teacher, we are helping one another learn. We are helping one another remember who we are as his learners. We are helping one another um, be, reinforce that which Jesus is teaching us. As we think about the example that Jesus has given, as we think about the vision of his kingdom life that he's given to us. And, this la and last year we talked about um, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is really describing what kingdom life looks like. This is what we are committed to doing and being together. And friendship and leaning into this together and being committed to it together makes it possible. As we are people who rejoice in hope that we have because of Jesus and we're remembering and reminding and celebrating the hope that we have, it begins to shore up, but also galvanize our relationships, our community, our friendships, as we are patient with one another in suffering, because we are not there yet. We still live in a time in the in-between, and so we need to be with one another when it's hard, when it's challenging, when it seems like there is no other way to go. But then we are also to be persevering in prayer that one of the defining markers of our being together as Christians in friendship is that we are praying for each other. So I guess one thing, question, a couple questions I have, you don't have to pause, just something to, for you to reflect on, is like, do you regularly discuss and share with your Christian friends what it's like to follow Jesus? Is that part of your conversation? with people in your life who also claim to be disciples of Jesus, learners of Jesus? Is that something you discuss, you talk about? Is there time in your life and in your friendships where that is the case? Because in my experience, I can often find that that is awkward because it's not normal, but it seems like it should be totally and completely normal. Another question is, which I asked last week and I ask you now to consider and reflect in discussion with others, is do you pray in your friendships? Do you pray in your Christian relationships? So why, why not? Why, why wouldn't you or why haven't you? Or why does it seem sort of strange and awkward to even begin to do that? It should be, again, something that we do in the school of discipleship, of learning from Jesus. This is part of what it means to learn from Jesus how to live and love like Jesus, to be people who are committed to praying with and for one another. And so that's sort of a recap of the last couple weeks that I encourage you to be continuing refl to reflect on, but also to discuss. And I want to I wanna, wanna press in a little bit, very briefly, uh, to the to going to the top of Romans 12, um, looking at the specific aspect of what it means that we are a body. This is something that, that Paul begins this vision of community um, with, is this idea that we are the body of Christ. So what I would like you to do in a minute is to pause and to read through Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. So Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. And here are two questions I would love for you um, to take time considering as you're reading, as you're reflecting on that passage, is what does Paul say about how we're to understand the church? 
So as you read this, what does Paul say about how we're, under, how we're to understand the church, the community formed around Jesus? And then the second question is, why is the metaphor of the body so important as we consider Christian community? Why is the metaphor of the body so important as we consider Christian community? So why don't you take a moment now, pause, pause me, and then go ahead and do that, and we'll come back together in just a moment. So I want to suggest that it matters that the Apostle Paul um, uses the metaphor uh, of the body uh, to describe the church. I think it, it matters for at least three reasons. Of course, there are always more reasons, um, but I want to focus on three. Is, is I think that this metaphor of, of, of the body, the church as the body of Christ, um, it, it affects the way we think about the church. It affects the way we think about each other. And it affects the way that we think about ourselves. So this metaphor is so important because it affects sort of those three levels of the church of Christian community. How we think about the church, how we think about each other, and how we think about ourselves. So how does it affect the way we think about the church? Well, the church is the body of Christ. Now it's easy to think, okay, well it's a metaphor, um, and so that can't be specifically like what Paul, or it can't be literally what Paul is describing, but in some ways it's way more than just a metaphor because it means that we, as a church, as a people, as a community, we are the embodiment by the power of the Spirit of the living person of Jesus. Now that is no small thing. So again, we together are the embodiment of the living person of Jesus, and that's made possible by the ongoing work and power of the Spirit. So when Paul says we are the body of Christ, he actually means that. He actually means that we are the embodiment, the living embodiment of the risen Lord Jesus. So in our relating together because of Jesus, being centered around Jesus, and our loving one another, we are doing nothing less than showing the world what the living Christ is like. That's actually what's at stake, and it's a big deal. We are bearing witness to the living Christ in the way that we are with one another. And this is where Paul begins this vision, because that is where it needs to begin. And that is why everything after that is so important. That is why he is, when he's describing the type of activity we're to have together, we're having that activity because we are the very embodiment of the living Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are the body of Christ. See, Jesus is known through us. I mean, Jesus says that. They will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. Like, this is massive. This is so huge. The way that the world gets a glimpse of who Jesus is and what he's like is by watching us. And so what picture of Jesus are we giving to those who are watching? What picture of Jesus are we giving to those who are watching? 
It also affects the way we think about the church because it's a collective calling. That to be the embodiment of Jesus, yes, by the power of the Spirit, I am to embody Jesus, but because the church is the body of Christ, I need you, and you need me, and we need others to provide a more full picture of what Jesus is like. It's a collective calling. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. See, it takes a whole community of people, a whole church, to bear faithful witness to the Jesus who's been raised from the dead. It is not something that we can do alone or individually or solely. It takes a group of people made possible by the Spirit to live into the calling that has been given to us. See, the Holy Spirit is responsible for this community. And it's through a community of people that the Holy Spirit's work and power is on display. So this metaphor is it's important because it affects the way that we think about church. It is not a place we go to. When we come back together in this building, it does not mean that we are starting something again. Because nothing has ended in terms of what the church has been and is because it is a group of people made possible by the Spirit living into the vision that Jesus has for us. That has never stopped. And that will keep going. And it is a calling that we will always have no matter what is going on or where we find ourselves. And that's good news. And so when we come back together, how exciting is that? When, we come, when we, we've started coming back together, we'll start coming back together again. It means that we get to be together and not all of a sudden restart what ended, but actually live more fully in different ways even into what has already been going on because God is all, always, already at work. So it also affects the way we think about each other. Because see, the Apostle Paul says that each person has an integral part to play. Romans 3, For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And then he starts to list the different gifts that are given by the Spirit. See, everyone has an integral part to play. This is why the metaphor of the body is so significant. Paul takes this up again in, in Corinthians when he's, when he's talking about there's, there's, there, there are arms and there are legs and there are toes and there are, there are ears and, and every part of the body is to function and every part of the body is, is central and, is, and essential. He actually says that those that we think might have a low honor, actually God considers to have higher honor. And this is really significant in Paul's vision of, of actually Christian community because we all have an integral part to play and everybody matters. Everybody matters significantly. To have one part of the body gone is to be missing out in the ways that God wants to use us. God wants to live within us and through us to bear witness to him in the world. And see, this changes the way that we see each other because then we, we begin to see each other as actually contributing something wonderful and remarkable. And it's so easy to devalue 
people's contributions because it looks different than what you would want or you think it should be. But nobody's contribution to the church, to the local body, to what the Holy Spirit has made possible should be devalued because it's absolutely necessary and essential. If you are here, part of Grace Long Beach, it means that you have been called by God to be here and have a significant role to play in what God is up to. And to not live into that is to miss part of what God is calling upon you, but is also for us as a collective group of people to miss out on what God has for us. See, this changes the way we think about each other. I'm called to recognize you as absolutely part of how Christ wants to be known in and through this community. And so this also means I better feel conviction and challenge when I feel that there is a part of the body or a person that I think doesn't necessarily need to be here or shouldn't be here. That should be a moment of conviction and challenge. So do you believe that about other people? Do you believe that about this group of people that God has called these people to be empowered by the Spirit, to be part of the body, and to contribute to the body? Because this means that, because this is a group thing and because we're all part of it, I am not the body of Christ, and you are not the body of Christ, but we together are the body of Christ. You cannot look to one person to be everything that you possibly need them to be, because it takes a group of people empowered by the Spirit to bear witness to Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. Finally, it affects the way that we think about ourselves. Because it means that the question we should be asking is not what can this body give to me um, or what can this body do for me, but it sort of reframes the question to say, huh, what role in this body do I play? What has God given me to give away? What might God be calling me to be and to do as part of this remarkable body together? I mean, that is a complete reframe of the question and something that I'm personally convicted by. So what does it look like for me, because God has called me to be part of this, because the Holy Spirit is empowering me and us, what does it mean for me to live into my, to my calling to how Christ is leading me in order to bless and to serve and to encourage and to lift up this body of believers? Like, what's, what's my role? What's your role? Imagine if we were asking that question, encouraged by that question, anticipating that God has an answer, and that as we see it and as we discover it, we move together into it, and all of a sudden we're again a community of people actively participating in what God is making possible because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So we are the body of Christ. That is what we are together. And so as we end, I guess I'd like to offer you and encourage you ways to pray. I encourage, I encourage you to pray that, that God's grace and mercy would be shown to each of us, to our community. I ask that you would pray that God would take hold of our imagination and that our vision for what's possible in Christian community and friendship 
is formed and shaped by Christ. Formed and shaped by this vision we see in Romans 12. I ask that you would be praying for, for yourself, but also for others. That we would be ignited by a desire to live into what the Holy Spirit makes possible. And that through the empowerment of the Spirit, that we would bear witness faithfully to the living Jesus by the way that we love one another. And I believe that God is, has been and always has been and always will be up to something. I truly believe that. And I believe these are moments right now that we find ourselves in where, where God is, is at work to shape and to form us and to encourage us and to challenge us. And I look forward to the type of community that, that, we, that we get to discover even more fully who we are. Um, not because we're so wonderful and great, but because God has seen fit through his mercy and grace and the person of Jesus to bring us together as his body, that we are Christ's body. And that is good news. So may we be empowered to live into that calling faithfully and wholly and completely. Thanks be to God.